0: Over the weekend. Right. Not me, honia
1: I did have an accident with a menorah Here we go. On Twitter at 1270 wet <laughs> mall Taking your calls at 270 1270. Here we go. This <laughs> is The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh
2: oh. <laughs>
0: Welcome into the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270, the fans Wednesday afternoon program. This is the June 26th, 2019, Year of Our Lord edition. The first without Mike Rodak. No longer a part of the show. His farewell was last week. It was supposed to be today. Classic Mike Rodak moment. I had things planned today. all Things all lined up. And about... Not about. It was exactly 23 minutes before the show. uh, John Hager comes walking in to say, hey, congratulations on the move. Here you're leaving. And Mike Rodak says, yeah, in fact, today's my last show. (laughs) And I just. Crooked Rodak. I looked down at the clock on my laptop and it said 337. And I thought, hey, thanks for letting me know, man. (laughs) Yeah, he probably wasn't even going to tell you. He, he, Until, like, yesterday. Or it would have came up on during the show, probably. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I can't make it next week. It's got people coming in, up, out of town. <laughs> All right, so Mike, we'll miss you.
3: Although I think we'll see Mike once or twice. We'll see him. I don't know if uh, the viewers on Periscope will see him. Or no, no, they the might not. I think he's
0: him. had pretty much his final duties as... Buffalo Bills reporter for ESPN.com. Unless something breaks, meaning oh, okay. you know not, somebody, no more Somebody snaps a femur or gets arrested or over the next a, month or so.
4: Breaking Lashawn McCoy,
0: but he's not leaving uh, for another what couple of weeks. So we have uh, Matthew Fairburn is getting married this weekend. Wow, down in Ellicottville. So uh, the gang will, will, we'll, Jonah, you and I will see. Mike Rodak at some point, whether it be at the bar, whatever, I'm sure. Hopefully. Good time was had by some last week. By Mike, I think. I hope so. Did he have a good time? You're not sure? Well, things got a little hazy. You know, we got a limousine, so nobody had to worry about driving. Hazy. And we threw everything to the wind, (laughs) and we went to various establishments. We went to the Buffalo Brew House. I always get it wrong. The The Labatt. The Labatt. What is it? The brew pub? Yeah, I don't know what it's Whatever called. Whatever it is, downtown. <laughs> the new thing. That was nice. It was my first time in there. That thing's huge.
3: Very impressive. Didn't get to see the speakeasy though. We thought that was Yeah, we thought agenda. we
0: might get a chance to check that out as some sort of, you know, tip of the hat to Mike on his way out. But it is so exclusive that they don't even let people poke their head in and look around.
3: That's what I heard. You need a membership to get up into that speakeasy. My now, brother has played music up there Ooh. and he's totally. Is he blindfolded? Me, no, 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 I don't know, but he's in. like, could they hire him? They're in bands that he's been in, and he'll tell me, oh, you can't get in there. Nobody can get in there. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if it's that high. Yeah, right.
4: But. Well, what's the what's the draw of it? Like, I, I know what a speakeasy is, but they're obviously not needed anymore.
0: Exclusivity. Oh, okay. Well, so Instead
4: of calling it a club?
0: Right. It's exclusivity, and they do it as a motif. So uh, I believe, and I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, but you enter, they try to make it seem like a legit speakeasy back in the prohibition era where everything was clouded you know used to have the 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 little uh hatch in the door yeah the thing would uh, slide over and you'd see the bouncer's eyes (laughs) and that's but they don't do that but you go in through the bakery and there's a false door and you if you know where you're supposed to go you open you swipe your card or you move the book or turn the that's cool turn the neck of the uh of the William Shakespeare bust, and uh, the door opens for you, and then there's the staircase that goes up to this this speakeasy. And then you drink by yourself. (laughs) I
4: guess. (laughs) Or
0: other well-heeled members, I'm sure, because it costs a couple of bucks, just to go up there and have your privacy. But it's also, I think, now I may, uh, maybe I'm making this part up, but because it's private, you can smoke cigars and stuff up there. Mm. So there's a smoking area, which you don't have. it's not
4: considered public or whatever. That's right. That's that's a pretty good that's a nice little idea.
3: So I didn't we didn't get to see that. It's probably good. Mike would have thrown up if there were cigars involved. (laughs) That's right. He's got a (laughs) thing with
0: smoke, or at least he says he can't. What he
3: can't smell it?
0: Well, just so
3: happens that when Mike's had too
0: much and he gets a little sick, there's been a a smoke component, whether it be at a bonfire (laughs) or uh, or cigars or people smoking around him, so uh, (laughs) concerts. Yeah, they're, so he blames that. It, it cannot possibly be because he drank too much. Jesus. So, hey, if Mike wanted to be on the show, didn't want this stuff to be talked about, I guess he should be in here today and mm-hmm. defended himself. Right. Might, might, might think we're baiting him to call in. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, in fact, if uh, Mike does call in Bobby, uh, hang up on him. <laughs> we're taking anybody else's calls, 270-1270. Yeah. A couple of discussion topics... Major League Baseball is contemplating uh, extending the netting, uh, adding netting. Right now that there is protective netting uh, beyond or just to the end of the dugouts in the Major League Parks. But because there have been a couple of uh, significant injuries to foul balls even beyond those nettings, uh, those those, uh, zones, discussions as to whether or not they should extend the netting down to the flagpoles. And there are some who uh, are against this, think that it would um, detract from their viewing experience. I am one who doesn't want to sit behind a net. I don't like sitting behind home plate because of that. Um, But I understand it. I will say this though, uh, there was a a year or two ago, I was, uh, take my family down. Uh, We, take in a Pirates game because we think PNC Park is gorgeous and the setup is yeah. so great. We have, uh, there's a Marriott hotel right across the street and I get my points built up from all the travel I do for work. And so we can stay about 30 to 50 feet from home plate. You know, if we, if you could theoretically, if you could walk straight to home plate, I think home plate from the front door of this hotel is n- that close. It's right across the street in an entrance and. All right, maybe that's 60 feet, 100 feet, whatever. I'm bad with distances. Real close. And um, I go on StubHub and I get my tickets there because they're a little cheaper. And I am meticulous when it comes to picking out my seat. I'll go to StubHub and I'll look. I want to see what the – if I'm spending – because I spend a couple of bucks. This is one of our you know family trips for the year. And so we do it up. And so I always spend money on these tickets and I have, my daughter has zero interest in the, in the game. So I'm throwing away her money, but Mm -hmm. I want to make sure at least meet my son and I, and we're going to be close enough and we're going to think, wow, this is really cool. So I really try to maximize it. And last year, StubHub hadn't updated yet. So when I looked to buy when I pulled the trigger on these tickets, I thought, this is a beautiful vantage point. The value for the ticket is pretty good. And then we show up, and we were behind the net. StubHub hadn't updated its views, its stadium views. Ooh. So I was upset um, probably for an inning or two before I got used to it. You do get used to it. But if I would have known ahead of time, I would have just sat somewhere else. So if you're the type of person who doesn't want the netting, there's all kinds of places you can sit in a in a stadium that has great seating, not behind a net. Anyways a little girl, uh, it was a two year, two year old girl, uh, was struck by a foul ball last month at Minute Maid Park. And her uh, attorney came out today uh, to say that, uh, to give a report, uh, that the, she, uh, suffered a skull fracture. Uh, she had brain bleeding and experienced at least one seizure. She's on medication to make sure she doesn't have another seizure. Uh, Albert Almora, uh, the Cubs outfielder, uh, smoked a foul ball into the stands and it hit this two-year-old girl in the head and i know that there are a lot of people out there i've had this discussion uh, these people will say well you shouldn't be sitting with a kid that young in an area where you can get a
3: foul ball and i'll also i'll listen to that uh but not just young people getting hit wasn't there an elderly elderly woman last year and she died got hit by a foul ball at a baseball game and there was i think she was a teenage
0: girl in uh, dodger stadium over the weekend right yes yes yeah. Cody Bellinger uh, hit one down the first baseline at Dodger Stadium on Sunday and, and struck. Uh, she, I saw a picture. Uh, that, she looked like she was young. You that know,
4: wasn't like t- the same girl that was trying to hug him, right?
0: Uh, well, he's got that <laughs> thing going. So people are getting hurt. And Major League Baseball has long been you know, a place where everything's open and you have access and... Want to interact with the fans and maybe even get an autograph? I don't know if it's this creates a a, a problem for pregame autographs and things like that, where kids can't go and get All them now right. because they're going to be behind nets. But anyways, I think it's a a fascinating topic and it's something that the National Hockey League has dealt with since uh, Espen Knutsen sent a errant puck into the stands at Nationwide Arena there in Columbus, and uh, he the puck struck a. A girl, two days before her 14th birthday, she was there for her birthday. Dad got her tickets to the Columbus Blue Jackets game and, uh, for, um, to celebrate her birthday, and she got hit in the temple with a puck and killed her. And so the, that's when the National Hockey League in 2003 uh, made it mandatory to have, or excuse me, it was 2002-2003 uh, season, made it mandatory to have netting uh, behind the, the goals.
4: Do you happen to remember, because you were covering the Sabres at the time, I was, I right? was covering the league. Did the Sabres have it in 2002?
0: Every everybody did. Nobody had it. It went from nobody to everybody.
4: Oh, I see. Okay, well, because I remember being at a Sabres game. It had to have been two thousand two thousand one, and I remember a girl getting nailed right in the head, and it was right. It was directly behind the goal too, where there was uh, what do you call it?
0: Obviously, no net. But I remember that was brutal, and you could you could see it from everywhere in the arena. You're talking about hundred mile an hour projectiles. You know, Sir uh, Alexei zitnik Hey, the guy had trouble hitting the net. It was kind of a, the running joke, but he would he would send one into the stands, yeah. you know, once a week. You know, send a 95-mile-an-hour slapper. Yeah, and that's not tough if it deflects. Right, it you could deflect, it could hit on, so even if you're paying attention. Oh. You know, I think baseball, the same thing. There's a lot of metal uh, around, especially in box seat areas. They have railings and things like that. It hits a railing, you'd be paying attention and still get hit. In fact, how about this? And granted, it's closer closer to the batter, but... 2007 Double A baseball Mike Coolbaugh former major leaguer was coaching first base got hit in the head with a line drive and killed him and that's why first and third base coaches now it's mandatory that you have to wear helmets uh, in in and those guys are paying attention 07 that was 07 wow. yeah well, so he was 30 what remarkable. 35 years old i think something like that I I mean, young f- guy paying attention uh, but a guy uh, obviously he's a he's a first base coach in double a so he's he's has some exp- experience in the game but Man. the guy played it i mean he knew he knew what that it could be coming and
3: it still got him and what year was that 07 07 what i'm wondering is this with with the fans getting hit by the foul balls is this something we're just becoming more aware of that's reaching a tipping point it's or does it have thinking. something to do with the way the games being played how hard Players are trying to hit for velocity every single time, the ball potentially being juiced. Is that compounding the issue? I think it's both, Jonah. I think it's, you know, you have, we
0: hear about it more because everybody has a camera in their pocket, so you can actually see it. You can see not only still photos, but video of it. Yeah. And Major League Baseball, you know, when you watch a game on television, they make it a point not to show you that stuff. And that's not to say that they are... Keeping you, they're trying to keep you in the dark about right. what happens. It's just that you know they don't show what's in the stands that much. Same reason they don't want to show a fan running on the field, whether he's, she's going after Cody Bellinger or a streaker or anything like that. They just have a tendency to not show that. And then when it does, they'll show a guy catching a foul ball if he makes a great catch. And then if somebody does get hit, it's generally so gruesome that they don't want to show that on camera either. So I don't think they're trying to hide anything. But So now people are sending out photos of it. That's going out on Twitter. Uh, you see it uh, w- a little bit more, but you're right, Jonah. the The whole exit velocity—it's all. They're looking for pitches to drive every time. You singles hitters are not v- valuable in in Major League Baseball. Rod Carew's don't really exist much anymore. It's all about a guy who will hit 250 and hit 42 home runs. You know, it's all about exit, like you say, exit velocity and trajectory, hitting it hard. And uh, taking a pitch that you can drive, I'll lay off this curveball for a strike because I'm going to get a I'm going to get a fastball uh, that I can get the barrel on and and try to hit it. There, just this past weekend, there was I, I, the name is escaping me. I will have to look it up. There were five hundred. There was a five hundred and five foot home run in baseball. I mean, in fact, there were th- I think three that were over four hundred and eighty feet this past weekend. Um. And the announcers were marveling. The one guy hit it 480. Mazzara was 505, right? Yes, that's right. Thank you, Bobby. But the one guy who hit 480, and they reported, and they said, the announcer, I was watching the game live. I want to say it might have been a Yankees game. It happened live, and the announcers say, well, let's find out where that ranks this year. And it came back that it was sixth or something like that. And the broadcasters are like, what? <laughs> like, they were stunned. Like, wow, the balls are getting hit that hard. And so, yeah, even with the netting down to the ends of the dugouts, now it's getting to the Washington Nationals, by the way, during the upcoming All-Star break, they're going to put in totally new netting. And they say it's a, a new knotless, K-N-O-T, knotless uh, netting, because all the netting, if you think if you've ever been yeah. close up to a hockey net or a baseball net, mm-hmm. they have little knots in them, and it's to take up a little extra space and to, you know, catch it a little bit more. So this is going to help with transparency, but they're going to take the netting way down. You know they're going to increase the the areas of netting well beyond what Major League Baseball mandates. The Washington Post, even on an editorial, a non sports editorial, a hard news editorial, the Washington Post has a lot of things that they could be writing about in terms of its editorials. Uh, has has uh, declared that it's time for all Major League Baseball teams during the All Star break, if they don't want to do it themselves, for Major Leagues to 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 make them do it. So. It's an interesting topic, and I know there are people out there who might be listening who, who think that um, you don't uh, you shouldn't do this, that it will impact your baseball viewing experience. I'm willing to hear that. We could talk about it. 270-1270. That's the 716 area code if you're outside the area. 716-270-1270. Is that a flip phone, Bobby? Yes. That's, yeah. Motorola. It sounded familiar. It's
4: a little throwback. I'm looking at this knotless netting, yeah, and it's it's actually really cool. Like from a distance, there's a picture. You can't even tell it's actually visible, or it's not visible at all is what I mean. That's fascinating.
3: Well, I was thinking, and maybe they're already moving towards this or halfway there, but some sort of, not invisible, but translucent, hard-to-see material, fishing wire type that where the netting's there. But if you're more than a few feet away, you can't really see it. Yeah,
4: That's kind of what this seems like they're going for. I don't know how far they are. And I
3: would think that the question really shouldn't be, should there be netting, should there not be netting? Because we really can't have people getting hit in the head by these baseballs. But (laughs) there's a technological question of how can we make this netting less obtrusive? Maybe it's netting that can be brought down during batting practice. So there can be some of this interaction with the players and the autographs. There's also yeah. that allure of catching a foul ball, which is hard to do. Now. Oh, that. I, don't know I, I hadn't even thought of that, that part.
0: Yeah, you want to catch if that's a thing. You know, you go to a state, that's like one of the prize things you can do at a, at a baseball game.
3: And now maybe you get that if you're in an upper deck where there's a few, maybe a few less foul balls, but balls do get hit up there. Right. So there's more appeal now to sitting in other parts of the stadium where you're not behind the net. I think that with the netting, my personal
0: preference would be I'd like to be outside of it, maybe up in the 200 level or go up to the 300 level in, in, uh, from baseline to baseline, you know, from first base to third base behind the plate. Um, but if I know, n- I don't care. I mean, I, I no netting, I, it's the same for a hockey game. I, I think that the netting, and I recall when the Sabres implemented the netting, I was covering the NHL, so I was in all the arenas. And at the time, they went from some wanted white netting, so that way it would be better for the fan in the game, so the white netting would blend into the ice a little bit more, but it looked really tacky on television. Did it? So what they did was, then they flipped it, so now it's black netting uh, at NHL arenas. I think the NHL mandated that for television purposes, so to have a better aesthetic um, view, but... Um,
3: it seems kind of foolish though. You watch a game and you're like, I can't watch this game anymore. Yeah. The crowd just looks too washed out. It, I can't, does, I can't it does make kind anybody's of, face out. It yeah. does kind
4: of look amateur though.
0: But it's something that you notice. But then now it's to the point where they superimpose advertising on the glass behind the net. Or right behind yeah. not the not the netting, but behind the goal. And so yeah, there's tackiness all over the the National Hockey League. <laughs> When it comes to advertising and distractions, and that's the other, distractions. I mean, we've talked about it long enough here. The one thing regarding the argument of, hey, you got to pay attention if you're going to sit there, is whether it's a hockey, especially a hockey game, I think more so than a baseball game. But these arenas are designed to distract you. There are scoreboards all over the place. It's not the old, what your grandfather used to tell you about, hey, be careful because a ball or a bat or some splinters or something anything might come into the stands here and uh when the 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 scoreboard was all just you know white light bulbs or they w- would hang placards out there to tell you how many runs were scored that inning versus five scoreboards ribbon boards announcements coming over the radio or uh the uh the the pa um uh, hey pick this song for the next uh jukebox what do they call it the arena jukebox uh, let's ha- let's hear your uh, do you, who what's your vote for this um everybody's got walk up music there's music in between each batter um yeah it's the distractions all over and you imagine when, what it's going to get to when you have every people are on their phones leagues are getting to the point where they want you on your phones that's what the national basketball association wants you to do now granted you don't have this this um Potential for disaster in a basketball game. You get hit with a basketball, big deal. Yeah,
2: (laughs) or (laughs) uh, you
0: might get punched by the owner. The the players might have (laughs) uh, more trouble. Um, Ron Artest might come into the stands. Oh yeah, but uh, get LeBron's chalk splattered all over you before the game. (laughs) That would annoy me (laughs) if I had one of those seats. Right, I would wait to take my seat. I guess if I because that was in front of the media. That was in front of reporters. Row
3: and have that happen to you. I think. Yeah
0: but the nba and therefore people will follow this the national hockey league major league baseball will want you on your phones because they want you betting you're going to have the ability to bet on oh practically every play God, that's crazy maybe every pitch depending on how major league baseball wants to do it national hockey league they you know you might have a kiosk up in the concourse but they will have you on your phones and adam silver i was in a, a news conference a little uh, scrum a media session Um, at the uh, Associated Press, uh, sports editors had an annual thing with all the different commissioners. And that was one of the things that Adam Silver said in this meeting shortly after his New York Times op-ed came out where he said, hey, it's time to legalize gambling or it's time to embrace gambling, is he goes to games and he can tell that people are on their phones more than they're watching the game. And that doesn't bother him as long as they're on their phones for the NBA, whether it's following their fantasy team, uh, looking at analytical type stats, you know you're you, maybe you're following along with a box score uh, that that shows things like plus minus or whatever. And, but he also said you're getting to the point every arena is going to have Wi-Fi. Every arena already has Wi-Fi. Yeah, they want you on your they want they're facilitating you being on your phones. Mm-hmm. So they are encouraging you to be distracted. So I know we're getting into a long rant here, but if anybody has any opinions on it, feel free to call in. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to have um, Joe Yurden from The Athletic to come on and talk about uh, Sabre's draft, which was over the weekend and also taking place right now downtown, Sabre's uh, development camp. The youngsters are in town. Uh, so we'll talk to Joe Yurden about that. And uh, should the University at Buffalo go to the AAC now that there's a vacancy? UConn is out. They're heading back to the Big East. That opens uh, the door for UB. Potentially. We'll talk about it with Jonah Bronstein and uh, Bobby Rosati, diddle in the knobs here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio
4: 1270.
1: The fan. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. Oh, I got it.
0: It's one of those deals where I pull it halfway out. I tried to get it in uh, before uh, traffic and weather together on the nines. (laughs) Do drummers
1: die more often? Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show.
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. First, That's from that uh, show. 70s. The 70s show. Yeah. Um, who sang that? Cheap Trick. Oh, Cheap Trick did it. Yeah, we had a request from Dave S. He wanted to hear that coming back on yeah. commercial?
4: I wonder if he's ever seen that 70s show because that's all I can think of. But now that I put it in that context of being an actual song, kind of like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. I understand. When it's a theme song, it's like, Ugh.
0: you know yeah. what I mean? If you're going to do a 70s show, you have to cuz a lot of shows don't have theme songs anymore, right? They go right it's like cold open almost. Like that, maybe they'll have a That's a great point. There's like a stinger.
4: Yeah, like Breaking Bad has yeah. that, that little drum drip sound and that's it. Um what do you call it? They just have like the Even ba-boom. Seinfeld,
0: they'll have yeah. uh, you know like uh, Bobby McFerrin giving a little thing and yeah. uh, and then they start the show. Like, it's not the days like when I was a kid and every show not only had a a theme that brought you in, there was an exit theme. Like Sanford and Son. Well, Sanford and Son didn't have any lyrics, but um, Happy Days had had an intro theme and an outro theme. Wow. Laverne and Shirley, all that stuff.
4: What happened to that?
0: The Jeffersons, although the Jeffersons was just a lot of humming. Uh, What's the um, uh, good times? good times had two wkrp in cincinnati had one of the great outros uh songs because uh see if uh, see if you can find that bobby wkrp in cincinnati uh the 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 credits song i guess it would be oh that was barney miller right there. yeah it was barney miller's that was an awesome all right that's the that's the intro this
4: is thing. the in all right hang on let's
0: see if this is the out then no, that's still the That's the lead. Okay.
4: Just Let, me look into this. Let me look into it.
0: Okay. Well, while you do that, Bobby, yeah. and hang on to it. I mean, okay. don't just start playing it.
4: Yeah. Oh, I got <laughs>
0: How about oh, what would I be the it. outro theme for UB in the Mid-American Conference? Ooh. The uh University at Buffalo, there's just just a discussion. It's not to say that this is breaking news or we have a scoop or anything, but Connecticut is leaving the uh, AAC to go into, or to return to, the Big East, which is where UConn should be, traditionally. and Original member of the Big East. Yeah. So that creates an opening, and with UB basketball where it is, on the rise, on the national scene, uh, coaches that have gone on to big jobs, uh, players still going to be a strong team in the mid-american conference seems like they've built something that can last uh if you're ready if you believe in your program do you then take it to
3: another conference i jonah i know you have some thoughts on this i'll stop yammering but well there's things to like about the aac for buffalo and buffalo's fan base and it's a better basketball league it's a multi-bid basketball league You know, there's a bigger ESPN deal for football. There's more revenue potential from that. It would be, in some ways, a step up. But I think it's important to note this isn't a situation where the AAC AAC lost a team, and it's like a job vacancy, and anybody that wants to be in can apply, and they're going to pick the best one and whoever makes the strongest pitch. The AAC is sitting there with 11 football teams and might probably will go into – the next season or two with 11 teams and is going to be measured in trying to find the team that they want. Otherwise, they'll split the money up 11 ways. And basketball isn't a big part of this equation. It's really what football program can the American Athletic Conference add to add value to their conference to get a bigger television deal next time out and more ticket revenue at bowl games. And, and UB probably doesn't, uh, isn't that attractive to the Buffalo's Big East. Buffalo's lower on the list. Although Buffalo football. is a major media market. And it's a big university, and it's, it's not in the geographic. The American Athletic Conference doesn't really have a geographic footprint. It's not really probably where they want a school, but it's not you know completely on the outskirts of the country that will make travel too much difficult. But I think if they were looking for the best basketball program that they could fit in to replace UConn, not that Buffalo's at UConn's level yet, but for the past couple of years has been better than UConn, then Buffalo would be really attractive. But as a football program right now, and not so much what they've done on the field, they, just, they won a lot of games last year, but the tickets that they sell at home and at bowl games, the interest that they generate, the potential to get television ratings. From, you know Buffalo is a bigger market, but it's not a market where I think a conference is saying we've got to have that television market in our portfolio. So I don't know if they're – they're not at the top of the AAC's list. Now, maybe if it comes down to other schools turning them down, they're looking for somebody that fits in football and basketball, Buffalo could position itself. I don't think Buffalo should say we don't want to be in this league. They should be preparing for the potential and exploring how it can help them and how to be ready for this invitation if it were to come. But I wouldn't expect it to come, at least not anytime soon. So UConn football, because the Big East, let's break this down. The Big
0: East does not have football; it doesn't sponsor football. So UConn is in a weird spot. Really, they're going to go independent in football.
3: Well, is, are they? Is that for sure? It Seems to be. I don't know if it's been announced announced, but that's what's been reported, and, yep. and everybody expects. Okay, so the AAC
0: would not be interested in just keeping it on as a football school because that that might affect what you
3: that's what, they what do. has been reported that they won't be interested in that. I think UConn is hoping that maybe they will, and maybe in a temporary situation, maybe they keep that relationship going. And none of this has really been announced yet. It's all kind of been reported this is going to happen, and this vote, the Board of Governors voted, and they're going to move forward with this. But it hasn't been announced, and all the details haven't really been set in stone yet.
0: Right, and for the record, I I don't know if we've said it in this this breakdown yet, but the... uh the American Athletic Conference uh, will need a team, potentially, or will be without its team. UConn will leave for the 2020-2021 season. So the UConn's going to finish this upcoming season. So it's not as though the AAC is in some sort of scheduling bind. Uh, they have time to prepare for this and to do this... Um, vetting of the situation to see if they want to add maybe they don't maybe they just want They to might stay not up. want to add they might want to stay it's good with for 11 football teams. because
3: you have your 10 games everybody plays everybody right. and you don't have to do divisions so your conference championship game can be the top two seeds not the two division winners which sometimes you don't get the two best teams for that and then the television deal gets split 11 ways instead of 12 ways so they don't want to just add a team. It's not like your fantasy football league where you need 12 teams and you have 11 and we'll take Bobby even though he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like they're only going to add the Bobby's going to have all Patriots. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's going to have the third Patriots running back. Yeah, I'll take James Devlin.
3: They're only going to add a 12th team, a 12th university, if it's something that they really want and they think it raises the profile of the league it brings in the potential for more revenue whether it's from television or ticket sales or prestige. Right. They're not desperate for a team right now. So that,
0: okay, so that's the if the AAC would be interested in UB. Now let's take a look on would this be worthwhile
3: for UB? I think it would definitely be worth exploring if only because of the potential that it, for basketball. Well, there's only two revenue sports, football and men's basketball, practically. And you can make some money on women's basketball if you're really at the top but that wouldn't really be in this equation. So the television deal, I know the number's in front of me, but it's a lot bigger. So for football, you're getting a higher chunk of that television money. For basketball, you're in a multi-bid league, which means you're getting every team that makes the tournament and every game they win in the tournament gets another share of the NCAA tournament revenue pie, which is huge, billions of dollars, and it gets paid out year by year. So if you're in a league like the AAC, they had four – teams in the tournament last year, has had at least two every year in his existence, usually has about three. They average about three. So that's just, in general, three times as much NCAA tournament revenue. The football revenue might from television might be maybe two, three times more than what they're getting now. So there's more money coming in. Now, they would be spending more money. They'd have to put more into the program just to be competitive in these leagues, especially in the other sports. There'd be a lot more travel involved in the other sports. Now, I don't think they would lose money. I do think there would be more revenue potential, more profit, but some of that would be balanced out. It wouldn't be a huge windfall. Would it matter that they don't have baseball? I mean, things like that. I I haven't looked that deep into it. I mean, there might be a sport like baseball or men's soccer that they would have to bring back. Some of these decisions to cut sports were made because the MAC didn't have rules that you had to have these teams or you had to have this many sports. I don't know what the rules are in the American Conference about that, but they might. They might have to add sports. They might have to replace sports. They might have to – oh, we have to play this sport because the American requires its members to have teams in that. So we have to cut a different sport to balance that out. I don't know if there will be a lot of that. It might affect one or two sports. How much do you think it would impact the the quality of basketball
0: at UB? How mu- In terms of the type of recruit that you can get, I guess that you can be um, – you could at least uh, promote the fact that we you can come to a conference and have a greater chance of playing in the in the tournament. You don't have to win the tournament to get in, but maybe UB in the stamp that they've put on their program or the stamp that they've put on the MAC over the past few years. Maybe the MAC is getting to the point where it can be a multi. You know, or do you think that that's well? Like, you you know better than you know you know the history of that better than I
3: do. I think in general the average high school recruit, if you're being recruited by an AAC school and a MAC school, depending on the team, but you probably consider that AAC offer a better offer. They probably are getting higher-rated recruits in that league in general. But Buffalo's been recruiting above the MAC level in a lot of these recent classes, so I don't know if it's a lot different than what they've been able to do. And being the best team that wins the league four out of five years, and dominates the MAC is a recruiting advantage Buffalo has right now that they might lose in the AAC. If you're, especially if you become one of the lower teams that aren't winning that league, then it's a lot harder to recruit these guys because Buffalo's biggest recruiting pitch right now is we go to the NCAA tournament. And that's where you want to be, the exposure that you get. And that's kind of the big thing that you get high school players. There's other factors, but their hammer in recruiting is we win this league every year. You're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament multiple times if you're here for four years. If they go to the AAC, yeah, it's a multi-bid league and they still have that potential. But it might be a little bit harder to sell that if there's a transition period where they're not going in the NCAA tournament for a couple of years. And what I really think is part of the equation that needs to be balanced is, yeah, Houston, Cincinnati, Temple, Memphis, Wichita State. You're these getting are-
0: right to the thing I was gonna get at, Jonah, because we've been talking about it and there's people probably listening thinking, All right, now which conference is this? <laughs> so like who would they be playing? Like are we gonna get excited about them playing who? And you exactly. just those are the So these
3: are better teams and obviously you would much rather see Buffalo play home games against these teams than Temple, Navy,
0: Old Dominion, East Carolina. Uh, UCF, South Florida, Florida. So I guess if you have some alumni, you want to start making some plans to go on Florida trips. Uh, Tulane, that's not a bad one. Tulane, for those who don't know, is located in New Orleans.
3: But hasn't been very good in basketball in a while. Right. We're talking about road trips here, Joe. Okay, all right. (laughs) It's better than Oxford, uh, Ohio. Home games, because although UB broke through this being a top 25 team that everybody wanted to see every night, but historically in basketball and football, They've struggled to get fans excited about seeing the home game against Kent State, Ohio, Bowling Green. The, the casual fan says, I don't care about that game. I only want to go when you play a team I'm used to seeing on TV. Well, the, the American Athletic Conference is loaded with those. They have some of those teams, more, more I think, attractive I'm, opponents in the MAC, but I, it's not like going to the Big East or the Big Ten where it's like, right. I can't believe Syracuse is playing in my backyard tomorrow or North Carolina. They don't have those teams. Right. I think you're talking about teams that at least you have, but, you know, like Houston, like you
0: say, Houston, you can think of, you know, Faisalama Jamma. Yeah. Uh,
3: and and or, Houston's been excellent the past couple of years with Kelvin Sampson as the coach. But if Buffalo was a struggling program in the AAC and they had a home game against Houston or Cincinnati, would that be the draw in the same way if they were in the Big Ten playing Michigan and Ohio State at home? I don't know. And in football, I don't think that would be the case. Yeah, I think that's true. But it would still be more attractive than the schools they're bringing in as MAC opponents.
0: I agree. I mean, who, nobody it just doesn't resonate when Akron's in town or Kent or anybody, Central Michigan. It doesn't. But I would think that Temple would, Tulsa would, Wichita State. You know, those are at least teams that you've seen on TV, on national TV, playing basketball if you're a huge basketball fan. Uh, although, you know the mid-american conference is on tv a lot too because there's so many sports networks but all right when we come back i want to talk about another school that's i guess in that wheelhouse vanderbilt vanderbilt baseball in particular oh here we go turn that up please this is wkrp in cincinnati outro look up the lyrics to this bobby The reason i Bobby you can stop. There are no lyrics. Oh, there aren't? No, he's not saying anything. What? Yeah. Play it back. He's not saying anything. You be one of my favorite WKRP if this play against That's <laughs> right.
1: <laughs>
0: wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's a good trivia question. All right, we come back. I want to talk about the Vanderbilt Whistler who has prevented me from enjoying the College World Series and other obnoxious stadium people that netting can't keep you from. Sounds, morons, jerk-offs. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270,
3: The Fan.
1: The Tim Graham Show. Uh, Tim's discounted prices shatter to the ground a fan thank you all for coming i've traveled all across the fabric of space-time
4: we could do a podcast and it would be a million times better than whatever that drivel was we were listening to
1: and on the fans app free to download in the app store the tim graham show sports radio 1270 the fan
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Dave S. chimes back in after we play the WKRP in Cincinnati closing credit song. He has found some lyrics that have been deciphered from that. I need to listen to it again. We'll get into that in a little bit.
3: Is it known that it was a nonsensical lyric? Yes. So these have been. This is for years. Could be. Could be. He says if you listen.
0: That's not Dave, but he sent a link to a blog, and I'm going to retweet it right now, so people can listen for themselves. I don't want to be, you know, considered some sort of propagandist. I think I've already used that word in this, this broadcast. Silver Sun pickups here. Bobby's playing. Bobby
3: had to bolt out of the room. Well, while he's gone, I want to make one concluding point on the UB thing we were talking about before, if anybody's still listening. just I've seen a sentiment on Twitter, and, and I think you'd hear it talking to some fans, that UB has to make this happen. They need to be in a bigger conference. They have to do whatever it takes to get to the AAC or the Big East, the Big Ten. It, the ball is not in their court. They can explore the possibilities and be ready and position themselves to be an attractive University for another one of these conferences. But UB can't the current administration can't push themselves in and make a conference that doesn't really want Buffalo right now accept them. So, you know, if there's any fans out there that are gonna be mad that UB doesn't have a new conference in 2021, it's not really up to them right now.
0: What do they have to do to get to a point where they can leverage themselves into a situation where they can pick a conference? And I don't mean I don't mean the big ten.
3: But a, a conference of this caliber. I think they need to be a consistent winner in football. They need to have string multiple seasons together where they were about as good as they were last year. And more importantly, the fans need to sell out that stadium. It needs to be maybe to a point where they're either expanding the stadium or looking at playing games at the Bill Stadium, where oh, they have 40, 50,000 fans at every game. They go to bowl games and their fans travel their television ratings are, you know, they're a strong market on television, not just in Buffalo, but alumni around the country. So it's things that kind of can't be controlled, but it's the fans, I think, that really control whether Buffalo will ever be major college football, major college basketball. And there was a lot of momentum last year with the basketball program, but I don't think they're anywhere close to being a major college sports market. And another conference doesn't want buffalo if they're not a major college sports market buffalo and this is one
0: occasion where uh, buffalo sports fans shouldn't feel an inferiority complex about their city because buffalo would be an attractive market for that part of it right i mean we're talking about top 50 market uh you know uh, way better than well if the tulsa's in the league wichita's in the league you know you'd have buffalo it's easy to get in and out of i mean you got to connect sometimes Especially when you're coming from the south, of the Dallas uh, or the uh, Texas, uh, New Orleans things like that. Um, but the hotels aspect of it, the you know getting on TV, uh, the the money that could be generated by the size of the market.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's that Buffalo is a small city, but in terms of college sports, it doesn't have the tradition and the fan base that stretches all throughout the country the alumni that tune in no matter when and where the game is on. And there might be potential for that to happen, but we've talked about this, how it's like a feedback loop. It does seem like the Buffalo fans are waiting for UB sports to be big time before they treat them like a big time program. And in order for UB to be a big time program, it needs the fans to kind of come around to that first. I want to get into this uh, before the break.
0: What's the most annoying thing? or what? what it, have you ever been annoyed to the point that you couldn't watch something on television or you're in an arena, somebody's just totally
3: ruining your experience? I can't think of a specific noise. Just fans with their incessant heckling of the opposing team or the refs when they're being an obnoxious person. Right. That's really maybe what annoys me the most. Some guy who's heckling because he thinks he's funny. You know,
0: yeah, like just, he's, But he's had too many beers, and he might be just making his one friend, who's also drunk, laugh.
3: And like, he's not there to cheer on his own team and watch the game. He's more there to just rile up the opposing coach and right. opposing player. He
0: thinks he's impacting the what's happening out there by, you know, his psychology. Right. He's putting a hex on the other team.
3: How do you
4: feel about the the uh, Baba Buoys though?
0: I don't in really, I, I think that's the same thing. It's yeah. kind of obnoxious. It is obnoxious. It's obnoxious. You know, get in the hole. Everybody. What about know, mashed
4: potatoes? You ever hear this one?
0: No, I don't know that one. Do I? it's just trying to get. That's annoying. It's just trying to get retweeted. Speaking of tweets, this is the Vander, one of the two Vanderbilt whistlers that you hear incessantly throughout. The College World Series, and now that we're entering the final tonight, it's a best-of-three series. It's tied one-one between Vanderbilt and Michigan. This guy has been threatened with being ejected from the stadium, but <laughs> then other people will just start whistling too, and it's just obnoxious. And I can't—I—I I was watching the game on mute. I want to see what happens. It's good drama. Too. It's really good baseball, but this. A-hole. The Cleveland Indians, I, I like watching the Indians. I keep them on while I work. It's just good background noise. And there was a similar situation where a guy was just screaming between every pitch at Cleveland Stadium. And I had a mind, like, should I call them? You know, like, What do I do? Do I call the state and say, I, I can't watch it? This has to hurt ratings. There was a guy at uh, Houston Astros home games uh, at the World Series last year who was a whistler, and it was just like a shrill, like one, like but it was – I couldn't watch it. I had to wait until the games went on the road to watch the
3: World Series. If this goes on all game long, I can see this getting tiresome very quickly. Who, is he also making these stomping and clapping noises? No, that's the crowd. He's yeah. getting them
0: going. He's kind of like uh, Fireman Ed with his. You know, he gets everybody up and he tries to get everybody going. So that's the entire crowd is clapping. That's some this?
4: vuvuzelas in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the vuvuzelas. Or how do you say? It? What are they? I think it's Zuzu, Vuvu, vu, Zuzu. I think it's
4: Vuvuzela, but I could be completely wrong. I, guess, I would have said
3: Vuvuzela, but I, think okay. I, think I might be mispronouncing it. I
4: might just be. I don't or know I it's I an might English be.
3: word. All right, so goo, Mugu guy pen.
0: At least with those during the World Cup, it, it's white noise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so they all kind of blend in together, and uh, but it's still annoying. Yeah, this this might be the worst.
4: This is brutal. If I wasn't completely drowning this out in my ears right now, I'd be going crazy.
0: All right. So feel free to let us know. Tweet us uh, your uh, your favorites. And uh, we've heard, Bobby, you, you stepped out of the room. We've yes, heard I'm sorry. That, no, it's okay. When we come back, mm-hmm. we're going to have to get to the bottom of it. Uh, we've been shown some l- possible lyrics to the WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, outro. no. Outro. Uh, but I think they might be straining to hear them. But we'll get to the bottom of it later. Uh, but okay. uh, And Joe Yurden on the Sabres prospects camp and uh, the draft when we come back on the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan.
1: Tim Graham Show. down your leg. <sighs> oh, that's good. Welcome to the Tim Graham the Show. Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270, the Fan. I know I would get I love sausage. Shocking, dizzying. How did this happen?
0: When I bring the lumber, the Tim Show. I did uh some pole. Uh, over the weekend
1: Right Not misohonia I did have an accident With a menorah one. Here we go On Twitter At 1270 the fan mall Taking your calls At 270-1270 Here we go This <laughs> is The Tim Graham
2: Show When's the last time You read the New Testament huh? Uh oh You're gonna need A bigger boat
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Sorry I was distracted there by this uh, blog post about the WKRP Closing Credits theme lyrics. Oh, digging a little deeper? Well, now it says there are two versions of the song. Oh, God. With a totally different set of lyrics, which leads me to believe that people are trying, straining very hard just to
4: hear words. connect it. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: But we're going to listen to it later. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Joe Yurden knows his music big rush fan that he is last time he was in studio i think it was the last time maybe it was the second to last time we got off on a whole thing on rush and the stuff he was just pulling off the top of his head yeah facts and such joe yurden of the athletic has uh, been all over sabre's prospects for well a week now he went out to vancouver he was at the nhl draft the sabers development camp uh, has been taking place downtown and will for the next couple of days. Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: Happy to do it, Tim. It's uh it's amazing how much older you feel being around 18-year-olds for the draft cuz it's I feel a thousand years old. How how old are you,
0: Joe? I'm 40. 40? Did oh, man, I'm you did 40. you watch WKRP in Cincinnati? Was that in your I, era?
2: No, that was like the um that was, uh, I think, that was already in like uh, syndication by the time I, I was. I was watching. I was watching. What are you saying? I, I, Nick and Night. Uh, <laughs> Nick and Night. Well, yeah. Well, that's syndication, I guess. Right. It's
0: on. I think. What is it? WBBZ or somebody? It's. It's on. It's on here locally.
2: Uh, Fired up then.
0: So you don't have any uh, any theories on the closing theme credit or the closing credit theme of uh, WKRP and whether or not there are words being saying.
2: If, um, if, if I had any theories, I'd be making them up on the spot, which you know, I All right. Well, Hey, let's not fake it.
0: Let's not fake it. So Joe, what have we learned about the Buffalo Sabres in the past week? And I asked that question with full knowledge that prospects uh, have a lot of uncertainty about them as evidenced by who's considered uh, a developmental prospect, uh, the people who come back uh, year after year, those who don't have to. uh, Sometimes you see these guys uh, only at the development camp and then don't hear too much from them again. Uh, Draft picks are so far away. I know you wrote a story at The Athletic in which you uh, gave your forecast as to how far away from the NHL each of these guys are, but is there a... A common thread or an umbrella point to be made on on these prospects and what they're going to mean to the Sabers moving forward.
2: Well, I, if there's a common thread, I think it's I, th- I think it's that it's just going to fans are going to have to be patient for a lot of these guys. You know, the, the guys taken the last couple of years, it's it's going to be a little bit, and I, I think that's what makes uh, the pick of Dylan Cousins at at seven more interesting because his his window. I mean, yeah, he's you know, first round pick. When you take, you get taken to the top ten. Your your timetable is not going to be that long. But, um, but a guy like him, you know, being a Canadian junior player and all that, like he's going to be, he's going to be a guy that uh, is probably going to be here next season. I mean, not this fall, but like next year. He he could get a taste of the of the NHL for a little bit this year, but I think it all, when it's all said and done, like, next season, he'll he'll be a guy. That you can pencil into the into the lineup somewhere, and that's that that's kind of nice, but for for most of these other guys it's you know the the timetable's a little bit skewed, it's a little bit longer, and I think that's that's kind of by design because you want to have these guys fill holes uh moving ahead that you're get, that you know you're going to have down the road, and I, I that's that's totally how you have to do things these days.
0: If anybody wants to know, just in terms of NHL history, now the game's changed, obviously, especially with the way that you scout it. You can't really compare uh, what the Sabres did as their approach in 1971, as you are in in 2011. Uh, But uh, just to give an idea, the last time they had a seventh overall pick, it was Eric Rasmussen. Uh, He came up pretty quickly. Uh, Also in that ballpark, you have guys like Thomas Vanek at five, Rick Martin at five, Phil Housley at six, uh, Rasmus Ristelainen at 8, uh, Alex Nylander at 8, Casey Middlestadt at 8. Um, so just just a ballpark. I guess I'd give another couple of fives, though, too. Uh, Tom Barrasso, Sean Anderson. Anybody remember Sean Anderson? Probably not. He was fifth overall. Briefly. Uh, so uh, played 255 uh, NHL games. Uh, but generally, you have – well, Eric Rasmussen was, I think, considered overall a disappointment, but you have player who – it's there pretty quickly uh, everybody wants to take a look at a guy taken in this range uh, uh what do you think is his path joe
2: i think his path right now is he's he's going to be your guy that's going to be kind of fighting it out with casey middlestadt to be your number two center um yeah i i think i think there are some out there and i don't know if i'm creating a straw man argument on this but i think there are some people that are that are thinking that by them drafting cousins they're they're kind of Telling Casey like, "Hey, straighten up or, or get out," but it's not what you tell the guy that you just drafted. You know, a couple of years ago, that's that's, some, that's something that that you do if you're a bad organization. I, um, but I, I I I see this as them addressing a need and and getting the best player available as well. I mean, they needed to get more centers down the lineup, and they've got a guy who's who could be that number two center and that, you know, when you do that, you move everybody else down the line and, and suddenly you're a lot, you're a lot deeper team. And that's, that's the aim of the draft is, is to become a deep team and to become a better, better organization throughout. And I think that's, that, that that's what you can do when you get a guy like that, um, that, 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 you know, is going to be a player within, you know, within a couple of years.
0: We're in conversation with Joe Yurden. He's a Sabres reporter for the athletic and was out at the NHL draft in Vancouver uh how many coconese did you have while you're out there?
2: ooh well i'm gonna say roughly around three let's say three
0: let's let's be polite because yeah, you yeah, don't like real. it or were you too busy
2: uh well no that was the that was the drink of choice at the uh at at the jason botchford tribute event uh that that, uh, that us folks from the athletic were were there for it was uh it was a very nice event. Uh, but the kokanee was a flowing, and that's uh, that's the choice. That's the beer of choice of BC, I think. Yeah, at least judging by everywhere I went, and it was it was everywhere.
0: Alberta too. I I think that that was uh, you know when I, any time I was in Edmonton or Calgary, that was also uh, pushed on you quite a bit. So I don't think yeah, I think it's uh, out west in general. So you enjoyed yourself. You enjoyed Vancouver,
2: did you? It was it was it was a fantastic time. It was uh, it was my first time out there, so I was kind of overwhelmed by everything about it because it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, that, that everything about it, I was, you know, every car ride, I felt felt bad for the taxi cab driver because a they're driving me, and, and b, uh, you know, I'm just looking out the window, looking at everything, just trying to soak it all in. And it was it was beautiful, a beautiful place to be. Um, just it was like one of those things where you you kind of wish you weren't working so much so you could take more advantage of it, but. Um, but like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty incredible place to be at. I I would like to go back under, under non-working, uh, under non-working terms, because that would be pretty, pretty great to check out everything.
0: The Sabres kept you distracted the entire time you were out there, at least if you're going to go out there and do your job. Uh, so, yeah. uh, I know that, d- tell us about day two, cause I think a lot of fans tune out after they, they want to know what happens in the first round. That's about it. You start getting into the day two picks. Those are guys you're going to see a lot further down the line. Uh, so what, how would you take a and I don't mean going, you know, bullet point, bullet point on down on all yeah. these guys, but, uh, your, your thoughts on a couple of things that stood out about the guys that they took on, on
2: the second day. Well, I think what what stood out to me was that they traded up a couple of times, you know, just kind of getting rid of you know other sixth and seventh round, you know, other seventh round picks to to move up to grab guys that they had zeroed in on, and to me that's that that's interesting to do because the the thought generally is that you just want to kind of pile up bodies and just grab guys and and you know have grab as many lottery tickets as you can because you don't know who who can be a player and 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 who can't, and you know I thought Jason Bottrell was was He's quick to point out without even us asking, you know, what's, you know, what was the reason for it? But he said, it's more about quality than it is about quantity. You know, and I mean, you know, every time I looked up on day two, it seemed like Devils or the Hurricanes were making a pick. And, you know, the, you know, I think it was the Devils who ended up with 12 picks in the draft. And it's, you know, you're just kind of like, well, geez, it's, it's a lot of guys you got to keep tabs on after a while. But And a big um, trade. Pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big one. Yeah, PK Subban, that's a pretty pretty good weekend for him. But. But yeah, I mean, it's. I I look, you know, I look at these guys, and I'm just thinking like, all right, well, you get the the Swedish uh, winger, Cedarquist. You know, he's he's a guy who's going to be playing with with another Sabres prospect in uh, Matthew Davidson, and that that to me is interesting because you you just kind of pair them up and you say, all right, let's see how they see how it works. Helps helps with the scouting too because you don't have to travel all over Sweden. Just go to just go watch that team, but. but I mean, with all these guys, I mean, there's, there's connections to be made with, with the organization. You know, the goalie they picked is going to go to Michigan. He played it for Lunda. So, you know, maybe the guy that Dolly knows, maybe the guy that, you know, Olsen knows, you know, it's, it's, it's all kinds of different connections that, that are, to, that are, that are be, to be drawn there. And to me, that, 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 that's kind of interesting because, you know, usually it's a scattershot when you're drafting guys and, you know, you don't necessarily get guys that you find from other places that are, that are connected, but, Pretty clear that there's a lot of connections to be made with some of these guys, and um, you know it's better to go with who you know and who you've who you've been able to discover um, most reasonably well. Because you know if it works, it works. But you know it's uh, the only other guy I'll talk about though is, is Lucas Rusek, who is 20 years old, which in a amateur draft that you don't usually get a lot of 20 year olds But uh, the the Sabres Czech scout is Frank Musil, who used to play. Used to play in the NHL in the '80s and '90s, and you know he he apparently went went to bat for him and said, "This is a guy they got to have." So, I mean, it's a six round pick, so you don't know if that's if he's ever going to become a guy. But um, it's curious. It's curious to see how the the thought process is on all this because these guys seem to have a a pretty good idea of what they're doing. But you know, compared to the how the Sabers' past is with the draft, I mean, geez, hit on one of these guys in these deep rounds, and you'll become a hero.
0: We're in conversation with Joe Yurden of The Athletic, who uh, has been out at Harbor Center uh, today and will be for the next three days uh, for the Sabres Development Camp, which ends uh, with a tournament game uh, on Saturday morning at 10.45 a.m. Uh, Joe will be back out there tomorrow and Friday. In fact, I think the last session, today's last session, just ended about two hours ago, right? You're fresh off of listening to pucks clank off the glass and freezing your butt off.
2: Yeah, it's it's nice and cold. Harbor Center's nice and cold. What yeah, we learn today? Yeah.
0: What uh, you know? You see these guys. Uh, many of them, uh, they go off and play for their European teams, or you you, you know you don't see them. Uh, what? Uh, anybody well, come back and and do anything that uh, made them look noticeably different than last year?
2: Well, I'll say this: uh, Tage Thompson, who played most of the season in Buffalo, was went to camp because you know he just spent his second season in the pros last year. Uh, so he was back this year, and he looks—he looks like he should not be there because he's better than everybody. And I think that's—that's that's probably the, the the best thing you can say about a guy who's got 100 NHL games under his belt is that he looks wildly better than everybody else there. So, I know that's a point of contention for for a lot of fans is that they think you know he had a bad season, but I, you know I I started looking looking at things through a different lens, you know, with how they handled him, and I I, I think. I think good things are on the horizon for him and I know that's a cold take waiting to you know waiting to happen for the future but um but I think uh, but I think he's I think he's going to be in for a good season cuz he looked great in Rochester at the end of the year and he looks like head and shoulders above everybody and that's not just the, him being tall pun but he looks way better than everybody there else there and I think that's an encouraging thing. I love the way he you know, it's basically it's all the guys that that should be that should stand out and should be good. Look great. And I think that's that's important because you don't want you don't want to look at a guy who played a ton in Rochester or in Buffalo last season, and then you look at him and go, "Geez, well, I'm not really noticing him." And, that, and then you're immediately like, "Well, geez, they should probably trade him tomorrow." At that point, but um, but for some of these other kids, they will be anxious to see how it looks as the week goes on because you know one day of drills and whatnot, not going to notice a whole ton. But uh, but some of the new guys are are too Rotsalainen looks like he could be an interesting guy he's fast he plays physical like some of these guys got physical today so that's nice to see uh but i'll be anxious to see how it goes the rest of the week with him because you know there's a lot to divulge i think tomorrow is going to be the heavy skating day so i don't know where we're going to learn other than that these guys have some strong endurance
0: yeah only three uh players who were in the nhl last season are in this camp Uh, that includes uh olofsson and uh on defense uh, William Borgen, right? So he's uh, yep. just a handful of games there. Um, all right, I I want to preview, uh, if we can, for a couple of minutes, Joe, uh, before the break here, uh, your thoughts on free agency. I know that everybody's uh, talked about different moves that the Sabres uh, could and should make. Uh, how busy are you expecting to be?
2: I'm not really expecting them to be very busy. I, I think they're going to uh, – Jason Bottrell hasn't been very, a very busy guy the last couple of years, and uh I, I'm of the mind that you're going to find more you're going to find more landmines in free agency than you are help um, because the guys that that you th- that would be the most helpful the guys that are going to command the biggest price you're probably you're probably not going to want to spend that that money on them and you know you get towards the end of those contracts and it gets a lot harder um, but I mean guys like you know I think of a guy like Matthew Shane where you're thinking like well boy he'd be great on the second line for the Sabers that'd be awesome but do you want to drop 11 million on him? Probably not. Uh Joe Pavelski would be a great add as a veteran guy. Um I think he'd be a, I think he's the most perfect guy that you could add in a, in a vacuum. He's he's the guy that you sign every time. Um but he probably doesn't want to come to Buffalo because they're not, you know, they're not in the range of winning a Stanley Cup right now. So um you know, I it's going to be smaller signings, it's going to be depth signings, it's going to be things like that where you know, there's, there's talent to be had, but, you know, the expectations have to be lowered. They're not, they're not going to find the answer to getting back to the playoffs and free agency uh, with this group uh, because they're not going to make a splash on, one of these, on, on any of these biggest guys.
0: Joe Yurden, Sabres reporter for The Athletic. Uh, thank you for joining us, Joe, giving us your rundown on, the well, I was going to say the past few days, but it's all about the future. We just dipped back a few days to forecast the future. Everything lies ahead of these guys and the team. play like back for the future. Oh, some rush for you. See, Bobby knows. Oh. Beautiful. Joe, we'll uh, cross paths soon.
2: We will, my friend. It'll, it'll be, it, and it will be soon.
0: It will be delightful. It'll be that.
2: Yes, it'll <laughs> be great.
0: Joe Yurden. Thanks, Joe. On the Sabres. Thanks for coming on. When we come back, we're going to talk about NBA free agency with Jonah Bronstein. And we're still going to get to the bottom of this this WKRP in Cincinnati closing credits theme and whether or not there are words or not. Wait, I just said that. Redundant. (laughs) Whether or not there are words or not. (laughs) There are words. There are no, I don't think that would be words. If it's gibberish, There's that's sounds. not words. There are there are mouth sounds. There are sounds made. Yeah, there a uh, uh, a noise is coming out of somebody's throat. That's that's not always words, Jonah. That's true. In this word the Howard Stern show, we'd have a different drop right now. All right. That and more when we come back. Sports Radio 1270 the Fan.
2: Unintended
1: indiscretions heard over the airwaves.
4: I love this story because in this athletic piece, they called up OJ. It blew my mind that we can just call up OJ now. And you know who the big winner in this is? The
0: Tim Graham Show. Gurgling. Such a vagabond he is, too. He's bounced up and down and gone all around. On Twitter at
1: 1270 The Fan.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's start. Can we wait? Hang on. I gotta, I gotta get those lyrics back. Okay. All right. We'll That's start the closing it. Let's credit. Of it's, jar, it's jarring when you just stop music. Isn't I know. It?
4: Yeah. It's it actually is like my worst nightmare. I All hate right. So that for sound. those
0: of you who are uh, at your computers okay. or have a phone and you can see my retweets, uh, Dave S uh, on Twitter sent in some lyrics uh, that uh, on on a blog are purported to be the the words uh, sung by Jim Ellis, the artist who did the WKRP in Cincinnati closing credits theme. And uh, I don't, I think it's too fast. I don't want to sing it along with it. But how do I – can we do it? Do you want me to slow it down? All right. How about this? You start it, and I'll preview. I'll even say it. I'll plant the seed, okay. and the listener can can decide whether or not – Uh, Oh, I got you. Whether or not that's what's really being said. All right, so go ahead and get started there, Bob. We'll see if we can figure this out. Oh, what the? What? Oh, man. (laughs) That guy. Get rid of that. That (laughs) The Vanderbilt Whistler. (laughs) Said to the bartender, best night I ever had. Stop it. Nope. Singing to the bar had a microphone in her heart. I said goodbye madam. I'd had a bird in hand. I said I'm doing good and put love in her heart. What do we
4: think? You can hear it in there most of the parts. If you tell yourself it's in there. I think it's one of those illusions. That's my, my theory.
3: Some of those words are, it did sound like, like, like you know, it did get a couple like of words. Like bartender of it, yeah. definitely sounded like he said bartender. Should we do it again? Yeah, let's yeah.
0: do it one more time. Let's, let's get it. to the bottom of this. Right, this let's... is a Tim Graham Show investigation.
4: Yeah, we got to figure out what's going on. We should
0: run it through one of those transcription apps. I have my best men my, my best on the case. All right,
4: let's get in this again.
0: Here we go. Said to the bartender, best night I ever had. Singing to the bar had a microphone to her heart. I said, goodbye, madam, I'd had a bird in hand. I said, I'm doing good and put love in her heart. No, you really
4: got it for those last couple, you really got to pull for it, I think. But I hear bartender real, real well, Jonah, you're right. This part right here. Yeah, that
0: sounds like absolute gibberish to me. I have an official answer. No. In the words of Jim Ellis himself, okay. the man who sang the song, who performed it, uh, he's out of Atlanta, and he was hired to do the closing credits for WKRP in Cincinnati. Now, this is from a 2008 Quad City Times article. Okay. David Heights, who does a Ask the Times column, anybody can write in and ask him anything, and he tries to find the answer. When was this? Sorry. 2008. Okay, 2008. Now, years and years, decades after the show was on the air. Right. He reached out to Jim Ellis himself for an explanation. Jim Ellis in his own words, and I quote, "I had originally written the closure to be an instrumental, but on the day of recording I began joking around singing the melody that the saxophone would eventually play. Of course there were of course there were no lyrics and I just sort of scatted gibberish." Oh. Hugh Wilson of MTM Enterprises and Tom Wells, parenthetically, who wrote and produced the original music for WKRP in Cincinnati, thought that was funny, and that made a joke about the general unintelligibility of rock lyrics. So it became a satire on rock and roll, which is kind of what the show WKRP in Cincinnati was about. So Tom Ellis himself, I'm sorry, Jim Ellis himself says, it's gibberish. I believe it. Gotta believe it. He did it. It's him. Mm. But real words. What do we decide? Like, he's
3: not, it's not gobbledygook. He said, of course there were no lyrics. I was scatting gibberish. But it seems like nonsensical lyrics, but words. Not just blah, 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 you Know what I mean? Like bartender. There's words you can pick out. They don't. They're not yeah. part of coherent. So now you're, you you mm-hmm. want to debate the definition of gibberish? No, no, no. But I mean, if you slowed it down and you said he said this word and that word, you can pick it out. Oh, and but there's the cat at they the were end. The MTM intentional cat. lyrics.
0: He may have actually. Ex- he may have said a word or two. Like yeah. dummy copy. Yes. Like in yes, <laughs> dummy copy, which you put in the newspaper, and sometimes
3: it says that. dummy dummy head goes right. here yeah. just words that don't make sense but they're words so it looks like words on the paper
0: that's exactly what this is he, he was he was these were you know placeholders for a saxophone
4: and that makes even more more sense because if you listen to it now you can hear a saxophone doing that like yeah. listen he's even he's even singing it like a saxophone would you know what yep. i mean they're almost like not words but I get where Jonah's coming from. I don't know. What do we think? It's easier to figure
0: these lyrics than some <laughs> Bob Dylan songs. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> or uh was it Yellow Lead Better? Oh my god. That's a that's a gibberish song too. Like mostly gibberish. Yeah. He's got a few words in there that you can pick out. But it was a similar thing, right? He was doing it to hold the place. They were yeah. putting it and then they decided, all right, we'll just go ahead and
2: right. keep it. Yeah. And you all have of a that? sudden, they Pearl Jam.
4: Had, and all of a
0: sudden they just had a hit song we'll just play this in the background Jonah what's going to happen at NBA free agency a little bit of news development in Toronto Mark Gasol has exercised his option he's coming back to Toronto do you think that'll impact Kawhi Leonard's decision
3: I think it could but I think that was expected so you know Kawhi Leonard's in the process of making that decision I think he knew Mark Gasol was probably coming back and that really that whole team is going to be back. And if he wants to run it back and try to repeat and not leave them in the lurch, that's, I think, the biggest motivation for him staying in Toronto because as it had been widely reported a year ago, he had no intention of staying. He was going to enter free agency and leave probably for one of the Los Angeles teams. But the fact that the season went through so well and they won the championship seems to be weighing into his decision now about potentially staying on a shorter one- or two-year contract to keep this run going because guys like Marcus Saul aren't going to be around for too long. It wouldn't be – he's not going to resign for five years and finish his career with the Raptors, I don't think. What is the big well, – what's going to
0: happen in Golden State? Now, there have been reports that uh, they're already back at the table to uh, negotiate with Kevin Durant and – Clay Thompson. And Clay well, Thompson, and here you got guys who are going to be probably going to miss significant portions of the upcoming season. So they need to be replaced on the court in some way. And Golden but their State salaries are going to take up an awful lot of calories. Uh, limited calorie salary ability. cap space.
3: Yeah, Golden State's going to have limited ability to replace those guys, even if they only sign one of them. Like I think they're going to sign a five year max deal with Clay Thompson. He'll miss most of next season, but probably could return in time for the playoffs if they needed him to and he wanted to. I think I could see that happening. Kevin Durant with his Achilles injury seems more likely to miss the whole season, including the playoffs. It's been widely believed that he was leaving to go to New York all season anyways. I think that's still probably going to happen. Now we're not sure whether it's going to be the Knicks or the Nets in Brooklyn, but I would be surprised if he resigns in Golden State, except there is a scenario where he resigns in Golden State on a 5-year max contract that's the biggest they can give him the biggest deal and it's kind of a delayed sign and trade where eventually he goes to the Knicks or the Nets or his preferred destination Aww. but it doesn't happen right away that way he gets more money he gets to rehab with Golden State until he's healthy and they trade him at a later date which helps the Warriors cuz they'll get some assets back but I don't see that that's something I hadn't thought of I, I can't remember who reported it. It's been reported that that's an option. But there's also a lot out there that Kevin Durant isn't happy with the Warriors medical staff. He flew to New York to have his surgery. So I don't know if he if it's a dynamic there where he is really saying, I need these doctors to heal my Achilles tendon. I think, you know, unless he's changed his thinking about where he wants to play the rest of his career, I don't see why he would re-sign with Golden State just to rehab and then leave. If he wants to leave, he's going to leave. If he wants to stay, he's going to stay. Now, the five-year max might be part of the equation, but there's a a lot of guys of Kevin Durant's stature in the league that when they're free agents, as LeBron did in the past, they choose to leave, and then they get their big five-year max contract from the team they're leaving and get signed and traded just to facilitate that so you don't have to leave money on the table by leaving as a free agent. And teams are motivated to play ball with that because you get a little something back
0: what has changed on the landscape for free agency that is obviously the landscape has changed in a very significant way for the los angeles lakers uh with their big trade but they still have some pieces they need to fill in what would you look to see happen with uh with the lakers
3: i think that they're going to try to get Kawhi leonard i don't know if they will but that's probably the top of their list. Kevin Durant, maybe too, but that doesn't seem to be in the cards. Also, Kevin Durant's max salary is higher than Kawhi Leonard's and some of these other guys, and they really don't have the cap room to get, Kawhi, to get Kevin Durant where Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, some of these other guys they do. I mean, the, the Lakers are going to try to get the biggest fish they can, and they're going to go down the line. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kyrie Irving, who I don't think is going to go there, but I do believe they'll pursue him. Jimmy Butler who seems to be maybe on his way to Houston. That's what's mostly been reported the last day or two. But then I do wonder if, with the limited cap space they have, if they can't get the top, top free agents, should they spend a max contract on a Kemba Walker or who else would be out there? Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris. Maybe those guys aren't quite worth spending all your money on them, that they should split this $30 million or so they have among multiple players. But I do think there's a possibility that they can convince Kawhi Leonard to come play here, have three of the five best players in the NBA on one team, and win multiple championships in the city where it seems Kawhi Leonard prefers to live.
0: And that's the thing about Toronto. Toronto, uh, even though they just won the championship, the idea that... It's the Canadian dollar up there, or everybody else is playing with U.S. dollars. Uh, you're not on television, you're in, which is a big thing, I think, for people. Um, it's a big thing for your endorsement contract. Right, for endorsements and for your family. Like, I want my family to be able to watch me on TV. Toronto's just not on as much as, as uh, other teams in the, in the States. Um, and, and just kind of like the antiseptic aspect of Toronto. Just much the same type of thing that you'd get when the Bills were playing up in Toronto. It just doesn't feel right in yeah. to some degree, and you get it with baseball, also with the Blue Jays. Uh, but here he does—he he wins a championship there. But I don't know—is it just because tech? Well, it is another country, but you just—is it hard to feel at home in Toronto or in Canada? Well, it's not
3: home. Well, true. You know, and and I think some of this, and maybe this gets overlooked sometimes, is the autonomy of if Kawhi Leonard and his family decided a year ago or two years ago that we want to live in Los Angeles, and that's where I want to spend the rest of my career, that things can happen on the basketball floor that doesn't change your mind. LeBron wanted to live in Los Angeles and kind of ends up playing for the Lakers as a byproduct of that. And the Kevin Durant thing seems a little bit like he wants to go to New York for the marketing opportunities and also the legacy of leading a New York team to a title and playing for the Knicks and with the players that are on the Knicks or be at the Nets is just secondary to that. So if Kawhi Leonard's already decided, you know, I want to finish my career playing in Los Angeles or spend the rest of my career playing in Los Angeles and living in Los Angeles, then maybe there's nothing that can be done in a basketball sense to change his mind. But from what the reports have been out there, it does seem seem like he's – strongly considering at least going running it back one more time with Toronto that it went so well and no player, no star player has ever left a team after winning a championship like that. And I don't know if he's afraid that it'll hurt his legacy or his endorsement potential, or if he just wants to, you know, let's do this one more time and I'll go to LA or New York or wherever he wants to go in a year or two. And there's also with his contract, makes a certain amount of sense for him to sign a two-year deal in toronto because in in two years he'll have 10 years in the league and he can get an even bigger max contract then so even if he goes to the clippers it might be on a two-year deal so if he's in that sort of situation contractually that works in toronto's favor and you got masai ujiri staying in toronto not going not getting arrested (laughs) not getting arrested turns out turns out the cop shoved him and not vice versa I wasn't surprised that that's how that played out. I mean, I doubt Masai Jiri's out there just assaulting police officers, losing his mind, like somebody – like these fans that start riots after the championship, the owner or the general manager of the team's not doing that. But, so, yeah, I don't know. I do think there's a factor with if Masai Jiri had left, Kawhi Leonard might be a little bit less inclined to stay in Toronto. Toronto has an older team, and with the contracts of – Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul where this isn't the start of a long run. Their window's only about a year or two more. So maybe Kawhi Leonard says, all right, let's all come back and try to repeat and do this again. And then in a year, he goes back to free agency. But the Lakers' situation probably won't be there for him in a year. Some of these other teams will sign other players and not have the cap room. I do believe the Clippers the way they have their roster set up and how much they want Kawhi Leonard, that if he signed a one-year deal in Toronto, I think they would position themselves to still be able to get him a year from now.
0: The West still shaping up to be the much more relevant conference of these two. And, of course, Toronto wins it. So Toronto is the reigning champions, and obviously you have to give deference to to the Raptors. But – all the big storylines seem to funnel through the West, so, so Kawhi Leonard, uh, even his return. What is there,
3: What do you see as the big storylines in the East that are non-Raptors? Well, that are non-Raptors, I think the Raptors you can fold into. The big storyline in the East is, does Toronto, Philly, and Milwaukee bring back their free agents? And if so, they're the three best teams in the East as they were last year. And because of continuity and how everything's kind of gone in the West, those three teams, especially Toronto, would be the favorites again. Now, there's Kawhi Leonard, and also in Philadelphia, there's Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Milwaukee has Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, Nikola Miritich, key guys that all will be coveted by other teams. So if Philly loses their guys or Milwaukee loses their guys or Toronto doesn't bring back Kawhi Leonard, that changes the pecking order. If they all come back, it's a lot like what happened last year, and we'll just kind of see them play out, especially Philly. I'm intrigued by Philly has a really talented core of four or five players if they bring everybody back. J.J. Reddick's also a free agent. But if they lose those guys, they traded away a lot of their depth and other good players to get Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris Harris on less than one-year rentals if they leave. And the other storyline in the – well, there's a lot of storylines in the East. Boston. There's Boston, which, you know, they're going to lose Kyrie Irving. But the storylines in the East
0: tend to, uh, what I'm, what the, this is a sense or a feel I get when I think of
3: the NBA, all the interesting stuff's happening in the West. Whereas. Well, except it, for the potential of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant going to New York together, whether right. it's the Nets well, that, or that, the
0: Knicks. And that takes away from Boston. Boston uh, heading into this past season, people were talking about
3: potential dynasty type stuff. Right. And now they're crumbling already. And Boston's retooling as a team that still has good players and I think is still going to be in the mix as a, you know, four or five seed competitive team, but not the dynasty in the making that they were, or at least repositioning on a new path to building that dynasty. But it'll be I think the most compelling thing is what happens with Durant and Kyrie Irving if they team together with the Nets, but Durant can't play for a whole season. How good is that team Led by Kyrie Irving without Kevin Durant? Is it a repeat of what happened to Boston where Kyrie Irving doesn't really get along well with the younger players and he comes in and disrupts the chemistry? And the whole thing's a mess. Well, there's questions whether, if let's say Kyrie Irving wants to go to the Nets and Kevin Durant wants to go to the Knicks and they're not going to team up, is New Jersey, or sorry, is Brooklyn all that interested in Kyrie Irving by himself? Are they only interested in the package deal? Then you got D'Angelo Russell, an all star player coming out of Brooklyn that if they get Kyrie Irving, he's probably not going back there. But if they don't get Kyrie Irving, I think they bring him back. He could be in play for the Lakers, who traded him away a couple years ago, saying he wasn't a leader, but now Magic Johnson's not there anymore. So there's a lot of interesting storylines, I think, in both conferences. And there's a lot, you know, 30 to 40% of the league, I think, is a free agent. The way I counted it, I think there's 12 players that made the All-Star team either last year or the year before. So there's a lot of big fish out there and a lot of big pieces to this puzzle. And there's a few of them that we can say that's what's going to happen here. But there's a lot of unknowns where Durant's going to go, where Jimmy Butler's going to go, who the Lakers are going to get. And there's going to be one or two of these big market teams, either in Los Angeles or New York, that misses out on the big fish. And then it's do they overpay some of these lesser stars or do they keep their cap room for a year from now and try to be – the team that gets the superstars down the line. And this all begins
0: twelve oh one in the morning, July first. Is that no, right? No, they moved it yeah, up. Which was it,
3: right? No, they moved it up, which was smart of the NBA. It's going to be at six o'clock Sunday night. So it's oh, kind of okay. like a prime time event. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's right. Yeah, yeah. They're leading into, into forgot about soon. that switch, yeah. which is I think is smart. I don't think it makes a lot of sense when these free agency periods open at midnight and all right. this stuff's going down, and you and, know it's happening, and yeah. guys want well, to cover that- it. Well, for seven, eight years, I'd have to stay up.
0: You know, that's not hard for me to do because that's generally what I do is I work until three or four in the morning anyway. But, I, what, yeah, just the whole thing of sitting around waiting for 12.01 a.m. in the National Football League. And then all of a sudden these deals start coming in at 12.02. And you wonder, wow, geez, I wonder how how they were negotiating. They negotiated this very complicated deal in 37 seconds. Yeah. All right, one more segment when we come back. More chit-chat. With Jonah Bronstein and Bobby Rosati on the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Is to entertain in the fans. I really hear voices in my head.
1: Yes, we all hear voices in our heads. I can hear the voices in my head again. Sports, Sports, Sports Radio 1270. 1270. The, fan. the fan. And on the fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. Now back to the oh, Tim Graham Show. You just have to
0: touch my cup. And you're my sugar. We got some more gibberish here. Stir it up, stir it up, live up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Little scat
0: singing. Louis Prima. This is good stuff, man. Oh, I love this. I love jazz. Yeah, I grew up with this. How about Mersey Dotes and. Uh, what is it? Mersey Dotes and. Goat and Dozy Dozido- Dotes. Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lambs at Ivy. Who's that? A kittley Ivy too, wouldn't you? I don't remember who sings that.
4: I don't even remember what you just said to research it.
0: <laughs> Type in Mares Eat Oats. Okay. Got it. Yeah, let's play that.
4: Damn. The long...
0: the Andrew Sisters? Yeah, that's right. Alright, let's see Oh. The Andrews Sisters. You know them. <laughs> okay. That's like World War II stuff. Let me
1: don't, 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 dots and dozy-dots and little lamby a too,
4: would you? <laughs> You know, if we didn't have the microphones on, we could we could throw people for a loop if they pass
0: this on the dialer. Like, well, is well this 1930? is some, No, they'd say, well, this is appropriate for 12:70 yeah, a.m. <laughs> right, exactly.
4: Swing 12:70. <laughs> All
0: right. So what they're saying is, mares like a, a horse. Mares eat oats, and does eat oats. A kid like a little same. goat. Oh. A kid will eat ivy too, wouldn't you? Huh? There's actual there are actual words made oh, to I seem see what g- you mean. like gibberish. Got it, got it, got it. The only reason I know that song is we did that in music class when I was in probably second grade or something like that. That was one of the songs. You this were in is... second grade
3: during World War II? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know those music books. You know, you know this is from
4: 1948 and it's so old that it's public domain now.
0: Oh, so we don't have to—we don't have to worry about getting sued.
4: No, not at all.
0: I hear the projector in the background. <laughs> this is this from a silent film? Yeah, we're going back, back to your childhood.
4: All
3: right. Jonah, you want to talk about soccer or something? Uh, I was just thinking we should get some of these titles. We could play these on the jukebox when we want other people to leave the bar. These would be good songs to throw out. Clear
4: emos out real quick.
0: Well, yeah, we did that with uh, Monster Mash one night. Really, there were some people who were dominating the jukebox and having uh, a great time. And they were they were having a good time, but they were just being obnoxious and they're dancing, all you know, kind of getting in the way where you got to get to the men's room and. And I can't remember what they were playing, like salsa music or something. Because they were all dancing and had this stuff going on. And so with the app, uh, I showed Jonah how to use the app the jukebox app for the first time, and I just put uh on priority play the Monster Mash four times in a row. Priority. <laughs> and play. they were just letting like, the That's woman kept saying, my, my song's coming up next. <laughs> it's like torture. What do we think of like uh what do we think of the Pelicans, Jonah? I, I like Ooh. what they're doing, but I can't uh, get into a team that has
3: Lonzo Ball on it.
0: I never. He, he's be, with Lonzo I have to Ball. punish him for the sins of the father, right?
3: Maybe and maybe the father stays in Los Angeles or goes to New Zealand with Lamelo Ball and stays. I think the best thing that could ever happen to Lonzo Ball is to spend a year away from his father and away from that spotlight that his father puts on him. And there's a lot of things to like about Lonzo Ball's game. He's got to become a better shooter. But this is a good situation. He's not being hailed as the savior of the Lakers like he was when he was drafted, and he's not a guy who has to play with LeBron and doesn't really fit with LeBron. Now he's a young player playing with other young players in a developmental situation. I think this is a good situation for Alonzo Ball. At the same time, he might not be a long-term answer for the Pelicans and might not be there. They might trade him away within a year or two anyways.
0: It's just too annoying. It's like the whistler, the Vanderbilt Whistler we were talking about earlier. Lonzo Lonzo Ball. Well it's it's well, LaVar. It's Lonzo La Ball doesn't
3: say anything. It's a once in a while he puts out <laughs> well, a rap song. You lose the
0: re- r- well, yeah, you lose respect for a a grown
3: man who can't tell his dad STFU. You it know, would be yeah. great. And I think sh- he'd you know. earn a lot of respect from people, not just in us in the kind of the public sphere, but I think around the NBA, if he came out and said, Hey Dad, shut up. I'm grown. I don't need you talking on my behalf anymore, I don't know if he's going to really do that, but right. I do think distance. If absolutely. he's Lonzo Ball and, and LeVar Ball is out doing his thing elsewhere will be good for Lonzo's career and the perception. I mean, if his father wasn't on TV talking about him anymore, would that change how you feel about Lonzo Ball?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think Lonzo Ball represents like, – I'm going to hear from LeVar – as much you know which show i it's like i don't want lonzo ball to be good because the sooner he goes away the sooner Levo- the sooner his dad goes away and i know that there are still two more coming
3: right well there's one that's not making it to the league he's already flamed out of college and didn't make it last year and isn't going to make it in any years but there's a the youngest one lamello is probably going to get an opportunity to the nba i don't know if He'll be, he thinks he's going to be the number one pick. I don't think he will. I don't know if he'll really be a great NBA player, but he's going to play one year in New Zealand and be in the draft next year and probably get an opportunity in the NBA after that. But no. the idea that all three are going to play together in the Lakers and be stars well, clearly. is not the case. <laughs> clearly, the Lakers have had it. I guess he could always circle back at some point. Yeah. The Lakers seem to kind of ignore LeVar Ball a little bit and not get too worked up about that. They traded Lonzo Ball... Not necessarily to get rid of Lonzo Ball, but because he was a piece they needed to the power with to get Anthony Davis. This is another song I remember from my songbook in elementary school.
0: Turn it up a little bit, Bob, if you don't mind. Is, ch- is Chubby Checker? There sure is. More gibberish. We'll just get to the chorus. See, you can see this being a pretty good, energizing, elementary school song for yeah. music class.
4: Kind of sounds. You like got to dance an to the
0: Kamala beat. See,
3: we've 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 picked up more songs to chase people out of the bar. That's funny. All of the uh, music class songs you sang had like no English lyrics. They're just these. Uh, oh, there's some others. Scatting, we did. Uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Ugh.
0: There was That a, song
4: reminds me of uh, another one.
0: There was a modified version of the Beach Boys' uh, "Sloop John B., I think, right?
3: Yeah. Which you're is a song like a, I know.
0: Which is a song about a drunken sailor. Oh. Okay. And the, he's so drunk that they need to tie him to the sail. To
3: so get him to sober up. <laughs> I don't know. The only song I remember from elementary music class is that Erie Canal song. And I only remember like the one Eerie lyric. Erie
0: Canal?
3: I don't know that one. 18 Miles on the Erie Canal. Oh, yeah. No, everybody knows this
0: one. No, that's
4: what that last Perry song was. Perry Belafonte. Me of
0: oh. that-
4: Beetlejuice. You see, they're doing a Broadway show now, I think.
0: Who is? Is it
3: Broadway? Beetlejuice? Doing a play. Hey! Yeah, Harry Belafonte, that's who Mike named his son after. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Harrison Belafonte.
0: It's not Harrison. It's just Harry. No.
3: Harry Belafonte wrote it. That's
0: correct. H-A-R-R-Y? Yep. All right. Let's wrap this up. How about uh, we may be back next week. There might be some best ofs coming up. In the month of July, things really right. slow down, so we can gear up and uh, come back full force for the Bills season. You think any of the segments from today's show will make the best of? Let's see, uh, Joe Yurdan, perhaps. Maybe that it. was a solid segment. I uh, the about the netting. I thought we had a good segment yeah. on netting and that whether or solid. not it's going to uh, be an, uh, an issue in Major League Baseball moving forward, and the uh, too many people getting hurt by exit velocity. 113 miles an hour exit velocity coming at you out just into the right field stands. Cracking kids' skulls. What is this? More Andrews sisters? No, this is Glenn Miller. When my grandmother died, I had bought her. She asked for it. She'd gotten a new CD player. You know, when CD players were kind of becoming... Uh, the thing t- well not that becoming a thing she wasn't a trendsetter but if she wanted music you did. You just didn't have record players anymore right, right. so uh, I think she got a, a, a stereo for her apartment mm-hmm. and it had a CD player and I bought her a box set of Glenn Miller Ooh. songs and so as it was time to clean out grandma's stuff after she died I took these since it was a gift from me and I was yeah. like that's something to remind me of my grandmother I've never played them but she mm. listened to that stuff As one does when you're born in the... It's
3: how it goes now. Older people listen to CDs and the young and the hip have their record players and are buying albums on vinyl. Yeah. I think John Waro still listens to cassettes.
0: Yeah, those are... I I don't know. I never understood I still have my cassettes. I can't bring myself to throw them away, but I don't know that I have a cassette player. Those are hard to find. Record players are easy to find. Not good ones, but all right let's get out of here some bad ones. let's enjoy the summer find some bad ones. let's uh, see if we can find a place to watch the college world series in which and whistle uh, and in which there's music going on and not the game audio we may catch you next week on the tim graham show or you may hear a best of tune in at four o'clock next wednesday to find out i'm sure you'll be on the edge of your seat until then For Jonah Bronstein, for Bobby Rosati, I am Tim Graham here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan.